Hey, he's Jake, and I'm Matt. And welcome to Pat's Chat, the UK's best New England Patriots podcast. Hey guys, how's it going and welcome to another episode of Pat's Chat. It is myself, Matt. I am not joined by Jake because, as always at this time, it seems he is horrendously busy at work and also got some family business to take care of. But it wouldn't be me without having a guest on. So I would like to welcome in uh, Mark in the show. Mark Corknell is part of the Irish NFL show. Although, if you're not familiar and you hear his accent, you will take a double take and think, what the heck is going on here? Um, but yeah, Mark is part of the Irish NFL show. He is a Patriots fan. And yeah, welcome aboard, Mark. How's it going? I'm good, Matt. Thanks very much for having me. Delighted to be on. And yes, this is a traditional Irish accent, can't you tell? Like, yeah, you totally. <laughs> I mean, anyone who does listen to you guys will uh, know. Um, but if people aren't familiar with the Irish NFL show, I've now, I'll let you plug it at the end as well, Mark, but I'll recommend highly <laughs> to anyone to um, go check it out on YouTube, on, um, check, you know, follow their Twitter, check out the podcast and everything. The guests they are getting on there are unbelievable, Mark. You guys are doing insane stuff across the pond. Um, I say across the pond, well, across the water, I guess. It um, is, yeah. It's across the across the pond. I'm really on that and everything. No, um, we've been we've been super lucky and fortunate, and just a swimming in momentum. To be honest with you, I mean, we started last October. A uh, couple of us have always had different pods actually. Before myself and my colleague Brian had one, and the other two guys on the on the Irish NFL show, Colin and Michael, are Broncos fans, which you know dodgy territory but i usually take the opportunity to tease them quite a bit uh and they had a, a broncos podcast for a number of years and we just decided look let's do something together we're all based in ireland uh i am originally english as you can tell from the accent born <laughs> in south london but i've actually lived in ireland about 30 years so you know married an irish girl have irish kids the whole shebang i'm I, there there ain't no turning back at this stage um <laughs> But um, yeah, we're all based over here. Love our NFL. Love it from so many different angles as well. So we've got different opinions, different teams, and it's great crack. So speaking of that, how did you get into it um, originally? Um, yeah, so originally, and I've, I've told this story before, so I, uh, full disclaimer, I the first jersey I ever had was actually a Miami Dolphins jersey at six years old in uh florida i still have it to this day it's a cockerel with a six on the back because i was six um and the only the only nfl player i was in any way aware of was dan marino um i still remember watching the odd channel four channel five or channel five came it would have been at the time um late night when i was growing up kind of uh, the 98 season when the dolphins stopped uh elway and the perfect season the broncos were going for and kind of just you know, watching a bit of it, kind of, you know, still learning the rules and stuff. And and I was still kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of an interesting thing. But, you know, I was growing up in Wexford in the country down in Ireland. It was like we had, um, 
we had soccer, which is what the Irish also call football. Mm. Um, we had, you know, rugby, we had Gaelic football and hurling, which are variations of murder uh, in different ways. <laughs> so <laughs> there were plenty of other sports going, and American football obviously wasn't big there. You know, I was a kid, so, you, you know, you necessarily couldn't stay up late at night. And I went to uni, and I said, no, look, I think this is a cool game. I think it's cool tactics. It's cool strategy. I mean, I love the coaching. I love the the whole evolution of a salary cap and things like this, all of the, the structural things they've done to grow the game. And I said, I'm going to get into this. And was watching, had the whole package we had in our flat back in college, a few of us. And I said, I'm going to pick a team. And I'm literally watching week two of one particular season and a starting quarterback gets blown up on the sidelines and this skinny kid from Michigan comes in. And his name was Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. You can't get much more Irish than that. <laughs> he's the underdog. Like, and he looks like he, he looks like he's 12 in many ways. And I said, hey, they're a Boston team as well. There's loads of Irish Americans. That's it. That's my team. I'm picking the New England Patriots because of Mo Lewis. And uh, hey, wasn't wasn't a bad bit of serendipity. No, exactly. I mean, it's it's one of those really annoying things that we all come across about the bandwagon thing and everything. And um, I mean, I was probably going on what maybe eight years or so behind you and getting into the Patriots. Um, almost a similar thing in a way, but I'd watched it since those early days, not really knowing much about what was going on. Same as most people get into it. So over this side. And but I remember it was what I was always a kid who I love my wrestling. Even now, my mum makes fun of me for it. And I was always a kid, one of the kids at school that would stay up or go to sleep and then get up and watch it. And then the following day, I knew what was going on when I went into school at eight in the morning. I knew what was happening. And so I was always kind of that kind of late night thing. And I remember um, Nat and Mike doing the, the baseball stuff and late nights and then doing, um, then for consequently NFL and later. And I, I still even remember now, I don't know why, and speaking about the Broncos as, as well, as I remember, I think it was maybe the second time because they won it back to back didn't they in 96 7 ish and i remember sitting in my mom's um i think it was our first ever pc that we had like a compact whatever it was 56k modem beep 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 you know mom you're off the phone i went on and looking at all this stuff and then and because it was the day after that they they'd won i think that was it must have been the second time because i think that was elway's retirement game and you know went through all that and eventually it was now quite as you know the Boston connection with Ireland and all that I almost pretty much went mm, that's my team <laughs> um <laughs> I've explained it before but for yourself Mark it was uh, I didn't want a southern team because of a, a condition I've got with the sun and things like that and I didn't want to go in New York I'll, I probably should have ended up picking Chicago thank goodness I never but because even to this day I could watch Home Alone in the middle of the summer it, I just love Home Alone and Home Alone 2. It's one of them. I actually think that the second one's better than the first movie, personally. But, yeah, I ended up, I was like, yeah, that'll do. I, I didn't even know what Buffalo was. I thought it was some kind of, obviously, a sauce, which kind of originates from there as well. But, um, no, I didn't even knew that Buffalo was a thing or a place that was part of uh, Western New York or anything and ended up, yeah, it was Patriots and as you say, serendipity, and here we are. 
Yeah, and and do you know what? It's it's funny because we've been, uh, you know, we've been passionate about kind of growing the game uh, and growing the discourse in in Ireland as well as the country. We've done a few tweet reach outs, particularly during the AFC Championship, NFC Championship, like, hey, who's on? Who's you know? Who's watching? How did you get into your team and stuff like that? And it's literally the four corners of Ireland and a lot of the UK and a few people in America as well. And then they shared the stories as to, yeah, I'm a Bengals fan. I was like, how can anybody be a Bengals fan? It's like, well, I got into it in, you know, 87, 88 when, um, you know, Boomer Isaacson was playing in Chris Collinsworth and they were going to Super Bowl against the 49ers. You kind of, I get that. I'm a Jags fan because it was the first game I saw at Wembley and stuff like that. And, you know, and people come in with these different scenarios and you like, you're grateful. I'm grateful for being a Pats fan. It's like kind of there, but for the grace of God, go I. Um, but at the same token, that's what I love about the NFL in Europe generally. Everybody, for sometimes some strange and wonderful reasons, has picked a team, has fallen in love with that team, has fallen in love with the game, and is just like, that's my team. That's why I'm, you know, I stick with in relation to it. So it's it's great. Yeah, definitely. I think the um one of the stories that is quite common amongst fans as well as the the Madden thing, you know, it depends who the demo is or who the exhibition game is on, and it's Packers, Bears, or whatever it might be in that in that version of that year, or who was on the front cover. It's like got oh, Jackson was on the front cover. Was that two years ago? Last no, yeah. last year. Yeah. Or um, you know, they saw they become a Raven son or whatever it might be, and or just there's you know, there's numerous stories. I remember. This, I can't remember exactly which uh, when it was, but I had um, Hannah from Sky was uh, one of my guests a little while ago, and it was like she was saying, you know, you basically come into this as an adult. I know they're trying to make a shift now, and Alistair Kirkwood is officially gone as of today um, mm-hmm. when we're recording this, and you know he made a big push for the academy and everything, and hopefully they're like your kids or my kids are from you know knee-high to a grasshopper all the way through that they are whether they end up picking a different team or whatnot as long as I'm happy enough that you know if my kids become NFL fans that'll be good enough for me sort of thing but Hannah was saying you know the likes of us generally it's either teenage years or through uni as an early 20s person or something like that that we're all getting into it because we're all sort of of a similar age bracket and it is difficult to begin with you know, trying to learn the rules and all that kind of thing. But I think we're all sort of, you know, living rewards of perseverance, yeah. I guess you would maybe is one and way I, of describing it. And I'd say a slightly different way. I mean, like, you know, NFL UK under Alistair Kirkwood, I think, has done a, a great job. I mean, like, you know, they've slowly built up. They, you know, they get criticised for a lot of things. And I, I, I get that. But, I mean, they've convinced the NFL in America to, hey, do a preseason game here. Hey, do a regular season game. And now it's built and built and built. Uh, obviously, they've now announced today the, the four international games and only two will be in the UK, which is probably a bit disappointing in one respect. But it just shows how they've linked in or lent in, sorry, to evolving the international period of the game. And there's just so much more information out there now. Now, some of that is the internet. I am a child before the internet came about, <laughs> so I don't, don't quite remember that. And, and I remember a lot of what I had about American football when I was a kid was like from these um, these sports folders. I wish I could remember the, um, it was one of these things you collect each week type of thing. You put it into a big binder and there would be oh, a bit yeah, of yeah. 
athletics or skiing. Like I can still remember Perman Zubrigan, who was the Swiss skier, because that happened to be the guy who was featured in this this thing that I had, <laughs> uh, and all these random stats. And it was very limited what they had on American football. But now, of course, you know, the NFL and the NFL UK and lots of things, you know, your pod, our pod, except you know, all of these things, people are talking about it. There's information out there. There's stuff to learn about. And um, therefore, you're getting better educated series of fans as well, you know, um, which is which is super cool as well. Like, even I understand how people can become Jets fans. And that does sound <laughs> difficult, but I can at least understand it. We have to get that dig in somewhere. Almost oh, yeah. every pod we get a dig into the Jets. It's amazing. <laughs> but I'm just thinking what you were saying there. Those things used to be super expensive, weren't they? You'd get the first edition of whether oh, yeah. it was you were making up a dinosaur or a toy car or something. It was like 99p. And then in the bottom of the advert, it'd be like each edition afterwards, 4 35 editions to collect. You're like, oh, crap. Mom, totally suck you in. Totally suck you in. I wish I could remember what it was called now and everything. But I used to have a whole folder of this thing, and uh, I was cool. But uh, yeah, poor my poor mum at the time used to be the one every week buying it for me. So sorry. That was mom. when uh, that was when people actually used local news agents as well, and um, to go down and be like, oh, "Can you order this in for me?" and um, and that kind of thing, wasn't it? Yeah. I just, I just actually, I'm just randomly mentioning my mother there, and I'll share a story with. I think sums up as well how sometimes people don't get American football. She's got better. Um, my mom actually famously, when I remember about 14, she answered the phone, and it was a girl on the phone saying, "Oh, is Mark there?" And she said, "No, is that Tina?" And she was like, "No, this is Rebecca." <laughs> so I had to train my mother how to answer the phone. One way it was very important to me when I was younger. <laughs> I also then had to train her around American football because. You know, I was up in uni. I've been, as I say, getting into the Pats, been really bedded into this for a couple of years. And obviously we're on a great run. So we'll say 2003. For some reason, she had to go, or she was on holiday. She was going to Chicago. And she said, oh, I got you some American football stuff. And she gave me some Chicago Bears T-shirts. And I was like, but that's not the team I support. Like, how, how do you not understand this? And she's like, well, it's all American football. And I had to basically break it down to her because I'm a gunner as well. I'm an Arsenal fan. And I say, Mum, this is like, this isn't quite as bad as getting me a Tottenham jersey. But this is like giving me a Liverpool jersey and saying, but they all play football. Like, it just doesn't <laughs> translate. Yeah, I've got, I've got a... Jesus. <laughs> I've got a 49ers mini helmet, but that was because my aunt was on a... Um, holiday a while ago or, or one of our friends was actually going from I can't remember there's an actual name for it I think it was going from like Seattle down to Peru or something like that um, there is a name for that particular journey but she was like oh do you want me to pick up something for you so I stretched it to a 49ers mini helmet I just couldn't bring myself to say when you stop off in Seattle get something there because I was not no. <laughs> it was around about the time of that Super Bowl as well, actually, a few years ago. So just like, no, no 49ers <laughs> is uh, all right. Because I don't know about yourself. I, I've mentioned this before and, and on the pod that I don't mind. As as I say, the whole adult thing, I don't, you, I think as Pats fans, we get it quite hard a lot of the time with cheat traits and all this kind of thing. But even to that, I don't really mind, like, you know, if, when was that? Two years ago, it was um, Chiefs and 49ers Super Bowl. 
I would have, I was quite happily rooting for the 49ers because one of my mates is a 49er and it would have been nice to see him, you know, mm-hmm. be happy. I would guess similar if the Broncos ever got there, um, providing they weren't coming up against us on route. But yeah, I'm, I'm, no, no, I don't think no. so. I mean, the boys, um, <laughs> so Colin and Michael do the Irish NFL show with them. Brian, who's a Giants fan, so Brian obviously has you know a good bit of ammunition on me over 2007. Yeah, um, and we had a guest on actually from uh, doesn't any if a New York podcast uh, and and show uh, is a Giants follower, beat reporter, etc. Um, and he had a great line which only made me feel worse. He said like. You know, I, I don't mind Patriots fans. Like, I've got too much hate for Philly and Cowboys. I don't have time to hate you guys. Like, I know you don't <laughs> like us. And I was like, oh my god, they don't even they don't even want to respond to the thing. And unfortunately, because of Bill Belichick, because of all the the Giants connections, I think I probably more um, admire the Giants in many ways. Like, I mean, mm. there are worse franchises out there. Of course, I'd rather have those two Super Bowls, one in particular, back. But it is what it is. But the Broncos, no nah, man. I, you know, I still feel that they they cost us at least one Super Bowl. Yeah, the one where um, Dave DiGuillermo couldn't figure out how to protect in an offensive line. I think it was the first ever coach that Belichick fired within three days of the season ending. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, putting the Adrian the Adrian Waddle on the edge as a sixth lineman, and then still deciding not to double team Von Miller like was up there. Um, and they enjoy too much. I mean, they only had a couple of Super Bowl wins, but they enjoy too much kind of my pain as a Patriot fan. So no, screw them. I don't want the Broncos to win. I Fair, enough. Fair enough. It's, um, uh, as I say, because like, one of my friends, he's a, an, another one of my friends, he's a Steelers fan, and he's like that. And uh, now I'm getting to a stage, I'm just like, nah, sod you. You know, you've had your chance. If, <laughs> if, you were, if they were doing well, then I would, you know, it's providing it's always with a caveat, especially if it's an AFC team, that as long as they don't come up against us, if we were knocked out by Tennessee and they carry on going towards the Super Bowl, then fair enough. But now I'm at a stage yeah. of like, nah, I've had enough abuse off you. You could, your team can go go rot yeah. somewhere in a corner. Well, one other thing on on the Broncos, actually, Matt. I we we as you said, we've been very fortunate in some of the guests we've had on. We had Wade Phillips on. Um, who, of course, listener will know, you know, previous defensive coordinator of the Rams, uh, you know, head coach of the Cowboys, but of course, defensive coordinator of the Broncos when they went on to win the Super Bowl that year. And in the AFC Championship game, they battered Brady black and blue. Um, you know, still had that amazing fourth down conversion from the 50 yard line, 40 yard connection to Gronk, still got the touchdown to Gronk. And still, I think to this day, Tom Brady feels. They made the wrong call on the two-point conversion, trying to go to Edelman instead of to Gronk, who was probably free. We lost 2018. Stephen Gostowski, for Christ's sake, if he kicked the extra point, would have been a different story. Not that I dwell on this game, but we were talking to Wade Phillips and I had a question about basically a bit of a combination of the two and kind of talking about the Rams game because he feel let down by the offense, but alluded to the fact, of course, he's had amazing defensive units like the time uh, they knocked down Brady 22 times in that game. Quick as a flash, it was like 25. And I was like, sorry, it was like <laughs> 25 times we knocked him down. He knew he was he was so proud of the performance they put up in that game. Um, it was, you know, it was kind of interesting to see. Still a game we should have won. I said this the other week. Um 
if you think about it, and this, of course, we have won Super Bowls that could have gone the other way. Like, there's no doubt about it. There are, you know, <laughs> how many Super Bowls were one score games? Every single one, except for the Rams. Yeah. You know, other than the 10 point win against the Rams, every single one was a, was a one score game. Um, so, of course, some of them could have gone our favor, some of them could have, might have gone against us. But if you imagine that Brady and the Patriots, and Brady and Belichick and the Patriots, were in nine Super Bowls, all of which could have gone our way. There's the 2006 Super Bowl against the oh, AFC Championship game against the Colts, which was effectively a Super Bowl because they had to walk over against the Chicago Bears in the Super Bowl. There's the one against the Broncos where we should have won the AFC Championship game, and I still think we'd have won the, the Panthers and everything. People don't give this team, in my mind, honestly, enough credit of just the sheer numbers and the unbelievable capability to be there every single year. I mean, you could be talking about double-digit Super Bowl wins. Yeah. Like, honestly. And that's not stretching it. That's not kind of going, oh, you know, if the stars and the planets are aligned in a particular fashion, like, that is legit. And that is, it's just unreal. You know, it's just unreal. Yeah, especially when, as it's been mentioned plenty of times before about the, as you've said near the start, about the salary cap and stuff like that, everything is geared towards party, towards new teams coming through. And for some reason, year on year, the Jets are crap. Cleveland have sprouted this last year for out of, kind of out of nowhere, although, you know, they've been building to it since that dreadful season a few years ago the lines are constantly dreadful you know the jags have pretty much been constantly dreadful apart from the afc championship game against us and that um, same super bowl run a couple of years ago they you know year on year like the chargers always they're like spurs but they they charge you know they do charger things instead sort of thing but yeah there's, as they say, the the cream rises to the top, and the he's managed to churn out, and he, not even, not even that is the actual players that we've had to work with. When you look at some of them, like Malcolm Mitchell, probably could have had a better career if it wasn't cut short so short as it was. Yeah, but then you look at Kimbrel Tompkins as a receiver that has been put up for us. We've got, we've had Demir Bird, we've had. Um, mm-hmm. Michael Floyd, you know, if you can go back further than them. We've only really had what you could probably take in two count in two hands the amount of legit superstars we've had in that team. And Edelman probably isn't even one of them in some respects because he grew into it. He wasn't like you know there from the get go sort of thing. Yeah, but you know the the beauty of you know, Belichick, the whole organisation, it starts with Kraft, it starts with all of those assistant coaches and how Belichick wants the organisation to operate. Is look at the contributions they get from those players. Like you mentioned Kembrell Tompkins. I still remember his catch to win the Saints game, mm. you know. Um, Malcolm Floyd was only with us like a short weekend, effectively. Yeah. But his block against the Dolphins, you know, yeah. to free uh, Edelman on that, that play. Um, and in fact, the the, the uh, touchdown he scored himself was either early in that game or the week before, where he was just fighting and fighting from that eight years up. They get people to play hard. They get people to buy into the team concept. Edelman's a great example of that. I, I you know, of course Brady probably ranks number one. But Edelman is a very close one B in terms of my favorite Patriot ever. I rank him above Brucey. I rank him above a lot of people. I just love the guy's grit. I read his book Relentless. I you know he's 
I've got the the bay, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge in the background, and I've got an affinity with San Fran. He's originally from San Mateo, San Mateo same area as uh, Brady, you know, in the south. And he is just a gritty competitor. You know, you go back to the 2009 playoff game where he kind of stepped in for Wellcraft, who shredded his knee in the Texans game. And he was the only player that came out of the Ravens playoff loss that week in with any credit. He's played slot corner. He's played, you know, punt return. He's probably our greatest ever punt returner. Sorry, Troy Brown. You know, probably Troy <laughs> Brown, in fairness. But, um, but Edelman was electric in that space as well. And so, I mean, you, you sorry, I'm going off on a bit of a love fest of him. But you're right. absolutely right. There has been very few superstars, but we have had players that, Belichick or themselves, he's seen that extra piece in them and been able to evolve and develop them. I mean, you say about real superstars, I, I'd throw, you know, Gronk, Randy Moss for the two and a half seasons we had him, and Brady are the only bona fide superstars. You know, Rodney Harrison was washed up apparently when we got him. Junior Sale was at the end of his career. Brucey, um, Vrabel, people like this, they're integral parts. They're not superstars. You yeah. Know, um, and that's what it's about. It's about creating a team. And that's the beauty of Belichick in, in so many ways. Every year, I don't care what you did before. I don't care, lawyer Malloy. I'm going to cut you because it's not conducive to the team overall. I don't care Richard Seymour, probably one of his best ever draft picks. I'm cutting you again in a first from the Raiders because I think you're a year off falling off a cliff. Mm. Um, he, he only does it because he's had success before. But he starts with that blank slate and says, you've got to prove it every year. And for many years, of course, he had the ultimate number two in Brady because Brady would beat himself up about his own mistakes more than anything. Um, and that is integral. Like, you've you've heard it. I know you guys and your listeners have heard it from, you know, Randy Moss, even Adelius Thomas, whoever joined the Pats and kind of gone into the first meeting had Belichick ripping out Brady, suddenly realised, oh, oh, this is a different world. Like, the quarterback doesn't get a pass here. Um, a superstar doesn't get a pass here. They've got to step up. Step up. They've got to deliver it day in, day out. Um, that means a lot. That means a lot. So we've been very, very lucky, Matt, basically. Yeah, so. no, <laughs> definitely. And the, the leading into what you were saying there as well, if we look to the actual present and the future as the season is rapidly getting ever so closer even though we are only at the end of March you know we're only a month away from the draft and then before you know it we'll be in September and playing games again um but recent pickups um I wanted to touch on um Trent Brown being one Jalen Mills being another this whole narrative that's been playing out since the turn of the year that nobody wants to play for the Patriots. Why would you want to play for Belichick? Sanu came out and was like, oh, the place is dull. It's no fun. It's this, that, next thing. Oh, look at Brady on the sideline having fun at the Super Bowl like you couldn't have done before. But then Trent Brown comes out and says, well, I've been around the league a couple of times. I've got some money. I've actually taken a pay cut to come back here. This is the most pride I've ever had in any jersey I've ever worn. And Jalen Mills freaking out because it's like, oh my God, it's Belichick. He's the actual like total goat of coaches, and now he's coaching me. It's amazing. Like that narrative surely doesn't exist anymore. Surely. Yeah, you would have thought. So. I mean, I always, you know, it's the age-old frustration as to is it Brady or Belichick, and fans out everywhere ask you that, and I kind of go, it's both. It's always been both. Like no yep. one ever says it, Walsh or Montana. 
Um, you know, no one ever said, was it um, Levy or Kelly or, you know, Shooter or Marino? They're, they're winners. They're winners together and they're winners jointly. It's just Brady and Belichick have done it better together than anyone in history. And people do want to play for Bill Belichick. Now, yeah, if you want to go and party in the sun and have goof-off days and things like this and be treated special because you're a superstar, you sign the big contract. Don't come to New England because you mm. won't get it. Um you will get a chance to win. You will get a coach who will coach you up and try and improve you every day you're there, who will actually try and make a team that is going to win things and cares about winning. If that matters to you, come to New England. You'll love it here <laughs> in relation yeah. to it. Um, but you do, I think, every team has its philosophy and its approach, you know. The, the Packers rarely dip into free agency. For example, they believe in developing through the draft constantly. Steelers constantly wanted to maintain a cover two defense, mainly because they wanted Belichick to, and Brady to carve it up every week. The Patriots have had that identity and that philosophy of we will break it down and build it up every single year. We're about making a team to try and win stuff. I mean, look at last year. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. We had a seven and nine season. I mean... Again, yeah. on, on my show, I've got two Broncos fans and a Giants fan. They're winding, trying to wind me up about it. It's like, guys, you've had, you neither of your teams had a winning season in four years or something like that. And we banter with each other. That's what I love about the NFL. I love about the show, actually. We, we have that crack with each other. We have that fun. Mm. Um, uh, crack is in C-R-A-I-C, the Irish yeah. crack, not C-R-A-C, <laughs> just, just for the listeners. But, um, you know, Belichick's going back to the drawing board again. He's going to build it up. I am not a fan of Cam Newton and that pickup. I just want to get that on the record, clearly. <laughs> I, I was I getting to that one. <laughs> no, nah, man. I, I saw too many throws. I saw too many throws. I, I don't believe in his arm. I don't believe defences believe in his arm. He is a difference maker within the red zone because you have to account for him as a runner, and that helps. But... <sighs> You know, was it him or was it his weapons? I think it was more him. Now, Belichick's giving him every help possible. Here's two new wide receivers, and he probably did begin in the draft. Here's two tight ends. Thank God we finally addressed the position again, mm. you know? Um, and I'm big fans of both of them. Um, I tell you, the one that worries me, and maybe I'm being too sensitive in this, but I am scarred still by Adelius Thomas. I'm scarred still by the fact he couldn't hold on to Eli Manning on second down. I'm scarred still by the fact that he forgot how to run defend, uh, uh, defend the gap in the 2009 playoffs against uh, um, the Ravens. But I'm also scared that he previously came from the Ravens organization where he thought there was a different expectation and he had a special status. And we've just signed Matt Judon, who I rate as a player. But a few of his initial comments he's come out with are saying like, you know, uh, well, what convinced you to, to pick the Patriots? I said, I didn't pick the Patriots. They picked me. It's kind of like, a, I don't know, like, you know, I reserve judgment. And of course, it's good that we've picked up a premium pass rusher who is a very talented OLB against the run as well. But that's the one I kind of go, oh my God, is there going to be a culture clash here again? Um, <laughs> part of me wants to say no, because Jim Harbour, uh, no, which one is it? John Harbour, sorry, I always remember, um, is a very different type of coach. And I think he's, evolve that Ravens culture. But um, that's the one I really want to see come on and perform for us. Um, but on offense, I'm afraid in my view, we're still not going to perform until and unless we have a different quarterback, which might happen in a month's time. But that's another matter. Yeah, it's going to be... That San Fran move is, is probably going to make it a bit more tricky and difficult now. 
Um, you know, we were all, originally, I think we were all looking at somewhere between what six to nine, sort of five to nine, sort of spot. To, to, if we were going to trade up, that's where we was going to get. But um, I mean, if Mark Jones is the the person that they want, then happy days because you know we can then nip in and get hopefully get Justin Fields, but because <laughs> um, he's the one that you would want out of the, any of them, I think, and personally, but especially after I saw his pro day today, um, he is that sort of hybrid, new bred type of quarterback that's coming out. The some of his break-offs and throws. I mean, everyone, it does my head and everyone goes mental about Mahomes, especially in the media. I mean, come on. It was in the, what was it, 100 greatest plays of the season. They were incompletions. They're not even plays. Why are they there? Um, <laughs> but yeah, that sort of break-off and, you know, he could be the one that's fallen to the ground and can still throw it 30 yards. Um, but yeah, it is. It's going to be a bit more difficult. I don't know if the mm-hmm. would you if the if the restructure is is deal in a way that makes it more trade friendly. Do you, would you then look to get Jimmy G back in, or is that not your cup of tea either? Uh, no, I I was a big fan of Jimmy G. I thought in the two and a half games we saw of him as a Patriot starter, he was really impressive. Um, the problem was it was two and a half games, and Jimmy G can't stay on the field for sixteen games of the season. We we have a running joke about JJ Watt the last while about being able to stay on the field. Uh, the Chiefs have signed Carl Long, who of course ended up before he retired his last four seasons. He ended up on IR. Like there is a point where, of course, because the abuse these players take. Um, that they end up being more fragile and he, he can't be relied upon for that season. I, I don't mind him as a player. I think we could get a good quality out of him. But the reason I don't think the Patriots are even thinking in that direction is the biggest market inefficiency in the NFL. And bear in mind, Belichick's always been about inefficiencies. Hey, I'm going to play a 3-4 defense, not just because I think it's an effective defense against the run, but because people aren't playing 3-4, so I can get people to fit my scheme that's more efficient. As the league evolves, he evolves. He's evolved on offense from a power running back team to a uh, spread offense team to a two-tight end offense team. So he will try to play the percentages and where the inefficiencies are. The biggest market inefficiency, rookie quarterbacks. Rookie first-round quarterbacks with their fifth-year option. That is the biggest inefficiency you build around. And his whole free agency splurge, and we have to go, oh, the splurge, oh, the money he's spending, oh, my God, this is desperation. No, it's not. It's about building up a team again that needs an influx of talent. It's building up young talent. And do you know what? You can manage all that, and you can manage all that spend if you've got a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal that that works in that regard. So whether this year or next year, I think even again, Cam gives him flexibility potentially to say we can wait out the year on this. Um, He will draft a quarterback in the first round. I think that's inevitable. I agree with you. Unfortunately, we've gone so quarterback crazy that probably five quarterbacks might even go in the first 10 picks. Mm. Which again, you know, I don't want to sound old, but harkening back to Brady's drafts, Chad Pennington in the 18th pick was the only quarterback in the first two rounds. The only quarterback. It's just, you know, the league has evolved. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, touching on what you said there as well, I think Cam is 
on about his team-friendly deal you can get for a veteran as well, which is also leads into what you were saying about you know the money being spent in other areas, which has been helped by him being on such a cheap deal as well as obviously the cheap deal we got him on last year. And I've looked at this before as well, and I just can't put my finger on it as to why, you know, Russell Wilson was what fourth round, Dak Prescott fourth round. The quarterbacks that tend to last longest in the league and I don't know if it's because of pressure or generally, you know, as we know, there'll be crap teams because they are picking in that top mm-hmm. five or so spots. But generally speaking, if you can have someone like, um, you know, that, like Tony Romo and then Dak came into pretty much a, the perfect storm, if you will, and there's Russell Wilson. There's other examples, Brady probably being yeah, the most yeah, famous yeah. of all. Um, you know, We've well, tried. I mean, we've kind of gone round, down that route, and it's kind of Danny Etling and all the rest of it, and they've kind of faded away. Jarrett Stidham was um, probably the is obviously the most recent one. He doesn't look like he's working out either. But so my the question I was getting to Mark was: Come day one of this season, do you see Cam Newton being the starter? And if not, who do you think it might be otherwise? Um, so or I, who I, would I, you or who would you like yeah, it to be? Would I go, no, I mean I like it probably most people other than Cam Newton. I mean Jesus Christ. I mean were we spoiled by Brady? But I didn't think throwing a five yard five yard out was that difficult anymore. But um, Cam makes it look effortful. Um, mm. No, I'm being very mean in spirited in this regard, and, and certainly with the upgrades, it's going to help. Uh, Cam Newton is the starter in September, unquestionably to me. Uh, I think. I'd love to see the Pats go quarterback one first round with the right quarterback there if he's there. Otherwise, they will pick up someone later in the draft, maybe second or something, or trade down and pick someone up um, to develop regardless. Stidham isn't the answer. Um, And therefore, Newton will be that bridge. I mean, for him, read Tyrod Taylor, read Ryan Fitzpatrick, read, you know, so many bridge quarterbacks. We talk about this. Um, The other thing is you've got to give people time to develop to the program. Um, and chucking in a rookie, they're going one of 15 like they famously did, obviously, with Peyton Manning, just isn't the way uh, you're going to do that with the most important asset in the franchise anymore. In fact, actually, I, I, actually one thing you said there, Matt, makes me smile, is um, you mentioned Romo. Mm-hmm. And the Cowboys have been unbelievably lucky at this. I mean, like, I know you mentioned Wilson in the third, and we got Brady in the sixth, and we were very, very lucky, don't get me wrong. But they had Romo as an undrafted pick and then Dak Prescott in the fourth round. I mean, talk about finding gold in various ways. I mean, yes, Tony Romo wasn't exactly postseason quarterback of the year, but he made the Cowboys competitive. He was an efficient and, you know, bloody capable quarterback generally. Um, You know, and Dak Prescott as well. He has his critics, but like finding those guys in those lower reaches – do you know it's 31 years, I think, since they drafted the quarterback in the first round. Aikman was the last really? time the Cowboys drafted someone in the first round. The only team that's longer um, was the Saints. Actually, Archie Manning is the only one they've ever drafted in the first round. Peyton. Oh, wow. Realize that. So there's a, there's a useless piece of information for you. Let's see. Well, it's uh, useless, useful. Depends who you're speaking to, I guess. But so. Uh, where do you think 
with the seventeenth games obviously just being announced as well, where do you think we go this year? Yeah, I I personally think that the seven and nine is the lowest we we will probably get in the next number of years until Belichick retires potentially. But I mean, as we were saying earlier, to have that kind of seven and nine season being a rubbish season, then it's brilliant being a Pats fan. <laughs> um, so yes. where where do you think we're uh, where do you think we're um, going to go this year? Okay, I'm not going to cop out. I will answer the question, but it is still too early to see because we haven't had the draft and things like that. But it's funny because we've done so many acquisitions in free agency, you kind of know a vast amount of our roster already because there's Mm. certain people that clearly are going to make the roster. Um, You know, I'm fascinated by the contracts as well. Carl Van Noy last year was a four-year, 51 million deal, and now he's a free agent (laughs) again, and we, we picked him up cheap again, which is lovely. Trent Brown come back, all these people, I think, will enhance the team. Don't forget the other players like Donta Hightower. Yeah. So they're coming back because you skipped opted out of the year last year. Obviously, sad to see Patrick Chung retire, but that's where the Mills pickup came in. Um, I've got two key questions, right? The two key questions are what we do in the draft mm-hmm. and where we prioritize, and indeed what we do with the quarterback position and our secondary. Because unfortunately, now Gilmore is not a happy camper playing on seven minutes this year and won't be a happy camper. Hence, they redid his deal last year. Mm. And JC Jackson, I still think strategically we've made an error in tendering him at second round level rather than the first round level. I would have played safe. I mean, I'm not Bill Belichick and I'm not um, the powers that be in uh, Foxborough. But I think that's a big question for us. But assuming they get them sorted, uh, the future's bright. I'm going to say 12 and 5 in the new arena um, and the new environment, mainly because, frankly, Belichick's better. For most of the coaches in the league, he's just better. He will just outthink you. He will win games they shouldn't. Um, I think the Bills will still be the class act to beat, unfortunately. I I think they will top the division already at this stage um, just because they've got so much talent there. Um, And Sean McDermott, finally, is a good coach for them rather than an idiot. Um, and the Dolphins will be competitive because I think Brian Flores is a very, very good coach and he's got enough talent there, but I, I'm not sure about Tua. Um, but I can, I, see, I can see us going 12 and 5. I can see that happening, make the playoffs as a wildcard team, you know, suddenly break in from seventh seed in and go and run the game, uh, go and run the gauntlet. Yeah, there, there we go. Done, done. Oh, actually, we'll do it from fifth seed. That's what Brady did last year with the Bucks. So we'll do it from the fifth seed. Sorry. Uh, the, I've, I mean, I wouldn't. Um, as a, as you say, it's too early to tell in the the draft. But I'm just really like, I don't know, not overly confident, but just a lot uh, in a happier place, I guess, with the with the the pickups they've made so far, and you know, not even the pickups, the actual returnees as well. To get yes. James White back in when we thought he was probably heading south to Florida. Yes. Um, you know, Lawrence Guy. Yeah, Lawrence Guy is another one I expected to go south to Florida because yeah. I, I wrote about it for NFL Scotland that I expected once Butler made the move, I thought Guy would probably follow suit, not because they're busy mates or anything, but just that blind Brian Flores connection and things. I just thought they'd offer more money for him to go and that would be that and you know, it tends to be it's with you just mentioned as well the amount of players that get offered money elsewhere, and they go right. Bell, 
probably see in about a year this four-year deal i'll make my money i'll pack my bag i'll be back in a, in 12 months time thanks very much um and they can take a cheaper deal because they've made their money elsewhere and whatever team wants to pay ridiculous sums you, for you that see, player. by the way as well brian flores picked up justin coleman i mean i made a crack one yeah. time it's like does he only know expatriates like that he he previously coached but uh he definitely zones in on them to be sure no well i just remembered as well i was going to admit, i know i'm going way way back to the start near the start of our conversation but actually the with the international series thing as well as um i'm not sure i didn't know until about five minutes before we started chatting was the um the jacksonville jaguars thing is still a possibility and so we yeah. could end up with four games in the uk if they go back-to-back home games or something like that depend that's probably a possibility but i would i just wanted to mention that um as a by the by but what i was wanting to get to lastly as we've alluded to a few times in conversation is the actual draft and we've obviously got the 15th pick and do we trade up or whatever it might be what do you see them doing and what what would you see them doing if you were belichick and what do you think you would do if it was yourself that was at the helm Oh God! Uh, the pressure, the pressure. Um, <laughs> Me personally, uh, I think he ends up trading back, and yeah, I mean, it's, taking it's up more stock. Mo, other than when we picked up High and uh, Chandler Jones when he traded up and secured, you know, both of them. Uh, he, that is his mo generally. Uh, if he doesn't go quarterback, and let's assume, and I, I tend to agree, like we're going to see quarterback, quarterback, quarterback in the first three picks. Um, and there's a number of teams that will probably want to trade in position to pick up the, the other two there. Assume we're not one of them and he trades back. I just want to see him go back to the philosophy that served us so well and fast. Just pick the best player available. Mm. Like, regardless of position in many respects. Like, if you think about it, other than, other than quarterback, I can't say that we have a glaring need. We have a strong O-line. You know, we've, uh, you know, a solid O-line and everything. We can always improve, but it's a solid O-line. Trail Brown comeback's good. Um, running backs, I want to see more from Damian Harris this year. And yes, Sony Michelle is disappointed a little, but, you know, I think that's a good grouping still, especially with White coming back. Wide receiver, we've improved in free agency. Tight end, we've improved in free agency. If I flip it around to defense, I'm in a similar view. We've improved the line. We've improved the linebacker core. Um, secondary, maybe that's a position that he maybe thinks maybe I do want to address there. But there's nothing glaring outside of QB. So then trade back some more picks and just take the best player there. Um, 2010, we did it. Devin McCordy, Rob Gronkowski. Um, <clears throat> we drafted some other guy in the fourth round, but I can't remember what happened to him um, that year. So, um, you know, there's, there's plenty of things uh, when that philosophy has paid off for us. So Let's not take Dominique Easley projecting his injury history. Let's not take, uh, you know, one of these stretches in relation to it. Just go back to solid, take the best player. And you know what? If the best player is there at 15 and it's a guy you really want and you think he's going to make a difference, just take him. Don't get cute around it. Just take him and move on. Yeah, I've seen uh, Micah Parsons um, being mocked quite a few times to us uh, the linebacker I mean I, I've said this before um, and that's why I've got another guest coming on for next week's pod as we reach closer to draft two is amazing at um, 
the the draft stuff and what they've compiled and all the threads on Twitter and things like that is awesome and for people like me because I one I don't have the time and two I don't have the knowledge to reach in a Division Two school pick out someone like Kyle Duggar and say he will actually get drafted in the NFL but even besides that you know the amount of conferences the amount of schools the amount of you know I I probably get to watch Bama LSU and Clemson more often than not I'll try and if I can I'll watch uh, another team like Penn State or something like that but generally speaking I just don't have that knowledge base at all and I rely on these guys to basically give me the knowledge and I'll put my hand up and say that's that's factual for me but um, yeah just the only thing I put up a poll on Twitter yesterday I think it was was we've got 10 picks this year and I actually I think we'll get so use somewhere between five to seven of those, maybe eight. And whether that's we, even though we trade back and gain more picks, I think that probably pushed into next year's draft some of that capital as well. It wouldn't all be in this year, and then we end up getting twelve players or whatever. I just, I'm and I'm just really intrigued and really excited. Actually, apart as you say, apart from quarterback, which is glaringly obvious because of the the arm and we might all be proved wrong um i don't know if you follow her but tanya ray fox um i've had her on this yeah. pod before she is hell for leather going that cam newton's the guy and she was on here but i think it was way before christmas saying give him a preseason, give him an off season give him otas give him everything another year in the system give and actually mcdaniel's hand him a, a cam newton playbook because to me last year it just kind of screamed that if you, it was a Brady playbook, it was a Mac Jones playbook, it was one of those pocket passer playbooks that we just didn't know what to do with a dy- dynamic quarterback like Newton. But at the same time, when he was asked to throw, it, did, it was yeah, it was nuclear. He did suffer obviously with the COVID uh, issue. As yeah, well. and whether that made a big difference. Yeah, because I mean, second game of the season, we were playing Seattle, and he was, you know, nearly led us back in an amazing comeback type of thing. You know, we won against the Dolphins in the first week. It looked like it would work and it would evolve that way. There's always the, there's always a chance, uh, mm. and it can always evolve. I'm just I'm just concerned. Back to the contract bit, though, as well. Actually, and we're looping back to what we're saying. That's the beauty of his deal. Like, if he performs like Cam Newton has performed, if he gives us, you know, quite a 15-1 and Carolina Panthers Cam Newton, MVP kind of caliber, he'll earn every penny of that $14 million and it'll be worthwhile. But when that initially got announced, remember, everybody said, oh, it's a, you know, it's a one-year $14 million deal. It isn't. It's a one-year $5.1 million deal. And there's, you know, a shed load of incentives. And if he earns any decent portion of them, we will be very happy as Patriots fans because he will have played well enough to deserve them. Like, I mean, they're not just turn up and you get a lot of these. So even with our splurge, I still haven't seen all the breakdown and details of the John Smith deal and the Matt Judon deal and everything about how it all works out. Because all we have is Drew, um, Drew Rosenhaus coming out with saying, I've secured this for my client. Of course, yeah. he's all in the portrait in the best way, but... How many of them are really two-year deals? Or, you know, how most how of them, really I think, deals? as far as I can tell, and what I've seen um Miguel say, the uh, our Pat's Cap oh, specialist. Oh, Pat's yeah. Um, yeah, for, from, from what I've seen of what all the breakdowns he's done, they all tend to be the they're not the um 
what they call it. Non-avoidable year. Yeah, they're not the avoidable years type deals, but they are cheap enough that after two years, Nelson Aguilar, Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, there we can all we can cut our losses and run because it's not really costing a lot of dead cap. And but that's what I thought because again, Brady and sorry Belichick and the team have always manipulated that well. I mean, remember when we used to have this option year construct? Mm -hmm. We did it for Darrell Revis. And the reason they created that was if you didn't excise the option, you still have split the cost of the signing bonus, but you also don't affect the compensatory pick formula. Yeah. It was genius. I mean, there's always ways of kind of evolving these things. It was uh, absolute genius. No, definitely. And it's um, it was like last year as well. His contract was pretty much a million dollars or whatever it was. And he obviously earned a bit more than that, but it wasn't the... Was it seven million you could have earned them? But again, it was if he earned seven million dollars, we were lifting the Lombardi happy days, you know. (laughs) And I think a lot of them are like that, as you say. With I can't remember exactly. I would have to go back and look at the the timeline and things and and what Miguel's put out on Twitter. But they are like every single deal is pretty cat friendly. And actually, I was listening back to you guys. um, I know it's from a couple of weeks ago now the when will was on will gavin was on um because yes. i'd watched half of it on youtube and then because i don't i tend to listen rather than watch but the, this instance i'd wa- watched half on youtube and i was like oh, i didn't actually finish this and i'm going to be speaking to mark i'm because uh, um, i really like will on on the radio and things in general and on the gridiron podcast and it was um he mentioned it as well probably Pretty much every single team across the league have done these things and gone, ah, oh, you've got a $60 million deal. Yeah, but if you look at the 2021 cap hit, it's like $3 million because they've backloaded it so much with all these uh, Disney, ESPN, you mm. know, the TV deals, the radio deals, the international deals that are all coming into play um, from this next next year after this one. It's There is so many ways and means to do it and it just makes it, so all the more intriguing back to the very start what we talked about as to why we love the NFL and part of it is all this shenanigans that goes along with it I think Taysom Hill 140 million deal in fact as well with his four avoidable years or something (laughs) that's the way that's the way the Saints have constructed Taysom Hill technically has 140 million deal but a bunch of avoidable years like they did with Drew Brees before to spread out the hit of his Salary cap impact. You can you can cut the cards in so many ways. Yes, you have to pay the piper at some stage. Back Prescott steal the same way, but you know that's that's what makes it fascinating. And again, dare I turn into an ode to Bill Belichick? But nobody has done it consistently better over the last 20, 25 years uh, than uh, than Mister Belichick and and a lot of great minds in there as well. Of course, you know over the years and Pioli. Uh, uh, and and so on and so forth in relation to Casario, obviously, in terms of navigating that. So it's been great to see. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's um, a pretty good place to stop there. But before I let you go, Mark, and just wanted to once again plug the show, plug your Twitter, plug the ever, anything that you want to. The floor is yours. Go for it. Oh, cheers, man. Well, look, no, I'm, as I said, on behalf of the, the Irish NFL show, we're on Twitter at IRE NFL show, Spotify, jeez, um, uh, everything going, YouTube, as you say, like every format. We, we're live every Friday night, and we've had a load of great guests. I mean, Scott Hanson, Rich Eisen, 
Wade Phillips, I was alluded to earlier in the year, we've had a great run of guests. And going into the draft, we intend to, we're going to be live on the draft all night in the first round. So we'll be seeing what the Pats do live on that. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. And thanks so much, Matt, for having me on the show. It's great to just just talk Patriots for a while and you know, pontificate on how we're going to rule the world again. It's always good. Well, you're welcome back anytime. If you get bored talking Broncos and Giants and whatever <laughs> else, you're welcome back anytime on here for sure. Um, I mean, as you say there, the guests you've had on and even I watch most of the Super Bowl day content with Anton Dubeck and people like that, yeah. you know, it's not just NFL insiders if you will it's personalities and everything in between with the radio host and everything it was brilliant it's it's a good watch and i highly recommend it to anyone and everyone that if whether you're living in ireland or not get on the internet and and tune into these boys because they're they're the business at the moment and and uh yeah long may it continue and thanks again for coming on thank you very much man appreciate it And that was Mark Cockrell of the Irish NFL Show. Thanks very much to Mark for coming on. And please, please, please check out the guys on there, as we were talking about throughout the episode um, this time around, that, you know, their guests are off the charts with Rich Eisen, Mina Kimes, Peter King, Will Gavin. Go back and watch it all, listen to it all if you can, because it's really interesting and intellectual chats that the guys have with their guests and as I've just mentioned, they're absolute stellar and banging guests as well. And long may the success of that show continue for them and not just for the the Irish contingent of NFL fans, but I'm obviously here in Scotland. I listen to it. People around the world will listen to it. It's just brilliant to expand the game wherever they go and Mike and Mark and, uh, and the guys, you know, they do a great job over there. So check out the Irish NFL show whenever you get a chance. But that's it as well. That's another episode done and dusted. Um, sorry, it's been a bit of a hiatus. Been trying to work things out with Jake, but you know he's super busy in some family stuff, as I mentioned at the top of the show as well. So um, I didn't just want you listening to my ramblings for half an hour, forty minutes, or whatever it might be. Um, it's always good if we can, if I can get someone on to chat pats with and. Um, yeah, went Jamie a couple of weeks ago. Mike's been on again recently, Mike Carlson. So if you've not listened to that one, go back and listen to his thoughts on how the Pats have done up until that point in time with free agency anyway. And yeah, just keep listening, guys. Thanks very much for your participation on Twitter and all the rest of it. If you want to rate us, review us, whatever, go on iTunes, whatever you're place of choices spotifying that for listening to myself and jake on pat's chat um if you want to speak to us on twitter it's at pat's chat uk instagram it's at pat's chat uk also and yeah take care stay safe and we're finally getting out of this lockdown eventually by the looks of it and we might get back to a bit normality and we might even get an international series game back sooner than you think But until next time, guys, we'll speak to you soon.